Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Monday edition of PFTOT, where we take some extra time to talk about things we didn't get to on a busy Monday morning coming out of week four. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. And Chris, we didn't talk about Washington specifically as it relates to the debut of Dwayne Haskins, whose entry into the game against the Giants was influenced in part by the foot injury to Case Keenum. It didn't go well. Three interceptions in 17 attempts for Dwayne Haskins. And now Jay Gruden on death watch in Washington. And I know you're a believer that it's not his fault. Yes, I am. Right. But sometimes that's the only thing you can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I I mean, I I understand. I guess I would say this, uh, or this is what I would argue. You know, I certainly don't think the Redskins are who they are because of Jay Gruden. I think there's a lot of issues with the football team in general. I think you would agree. Uh, I understand that. Yeah. Right now, the perception is reality. It doesn't look good. And sometimes you need to make that change. Only thing I would argue maybe to keep Jay Gruden, right? And the biggest thing would be, I still think that a guy like Dwayne Haskins is going to develop the best under a Jay Gruden for the rest of the year instead of shaking up the building and then, oh, I don't know who's going to be the head coach and who's going to be the offensive coordinator. So that would be the argument I would make to the Redskins. You know, maybe you want to fire him right now, but I would go, ooh, I still think Jay Gruden gives your new rookie toy quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, the best chance to develop as this year goes along, and then maybe you can make the move after the year if that's what you want to do. But that would be my biggest argument for him right now. And here's the thing you got to ask yourself. Yeah. What's it going to do to help you? Yeah, right. Is it going to make you into a playoff Exactly, exactly. Is is flipping from Jay Gruden to Bill Callahan suddenly going to start generating win after win after win after win? Right, of course not. And, And, you know, the bad part about that, and typically we'll see an interim coach take over far later in the season, you get a couple of late wins and then you get some momentum for the interim coach to get the job. And then the interim coach gets the job and the interim coach stinks. Once he gets the job, we see that far more often than not. So I, I don't know what they should do. I think they have far more problems than changing head coaches after four weeks would fix. But there was a report from the Washington post and I've heard the same thing. Yeah. Danger for great Jay Gruden. And it's something that we're going to be keeping an eye on throughout the course of the day. They've got the Patriots coming to town next weekend. They don't have a bye week until week 10. They've got a mini bye after the week eight game at Minnesota. Those are typically the more natural points on the calendar to make a change. So your interim coach has more time to get his sea legs before he has to go coach the game. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that, I mean, that makes sense as far as when you make the change. The the one thing I'll I'll say about this that I, I I don't understand, you know, if Case Keenum, they knew going into the game might be on a short leash, right? Yesterday, and I think you heard me say this in the in the room yesterday with everybody. I don't know why. If you felt like he's on a short leash and he has a banged up foot, they should have just gone with Dwayne Haskins to start the week because they put Dwayne Haskins in a tough spot yesterday. 
you know, oh, there he is. He gets to get thrown out on the road in New York, but didn't really get the full week of practice and reps with the first team to really put himself in a position, nor did the team get to game plan specifically around him to go, oh, these are the strengths and weaknesses of Dwayne Haskins. Let's put a game plan together that, you know, accentuates the strengths and we can kind of hide some of the flaws. That would be my one argument. If you're just saying, I just don't understand that yesterday. It's not, not an argument, but I just don't get that. I think if they got to Tuesday or Wednesday, they're like, ooh, Case Keenum's banged up, and I think we're gonna we're getting close to the Dwayne Haskins times anyways. They should have just gone ahead and did it and tried to formulate the proper game plan around him instead of putting him out there yesterday kind of like in a, in a bad situation. There's been a suggestion the coaching staff wasn't really on board with drafting Dwayne yes, Haskins. Right. We, we haven't seen or heard much the first month of the season to make us think that's wrong. Yeah. Because there's just a weird dynamic. Yeah, it does seem like that. There's yeah. no doubt. And, I mean, I also understand Dwayne Haskins is, is raw. I, I get that. And he showed us that in the preseason. He's he's certainly not ready for prime time yet. Uh, but either way, he is the future. And and uh, I think they need to start getting him going because the season looks lost. Well, we don't know who the good teams are right now, at least not all of them, especially after last night with the Cowboys and then the Rams before that. But we know who the bad teams are. Yes, we and do. And Washington is one of them. Yes, they are. We know what the bad procedures are in the NFL, and that is the replay review for pass interference. And I think where I am after four weeks, I accept the fact that the bar for overturning a non-call of defensive or offensive down-the-field pass interference is much higher than we were led to believe it was going to be. We were led to believe it was going to be essentially a re-officiating of the play in real time. And if you saw clear and obvious evidence of significant hindrance in that replay review, even if the judgment of the official that was applied in full-speed, real-time conditions was no call, right. Al Riveron would have been willing to put a flag on the ground and call interference. At some point between summertime when he was making the rounds, he was, and, and the stories came out from the meetings that he had with NFL media employees about a couple of plays that I look at and I say, well, that's really not egregious pass yeah. interference. And I heard from one coach who said the coaches only want it to be overturned when it's clear, obvious, and egregious. At some point, Al Riveron was told to move the bar up. Yeah, right. But the problem is, I don't know where the line is. And I don't think anyone knows where the line is. No. We know that a Rams-Saints play, Chris, is on the wrong side of the line, and they would put a flag on the field for that. Yeah. When a guy just runs across the formation and blows up a guy before the ball arrives. But the play we saw Thursday night. I mean, that's the one that's the one that jumps out to that me. That to me was Ram Saints light. I mean, if the hand to the guy's chin pushing him backwards while the ball's in the air isn't egregious, yeah. then I you're right. I don't know what is. Any type of affirmative push, shove with your back to the ball yeah. while the ball's coming in. That, to me, is Rams Saints. It's yeah. just a matter of degree. Right. He didn't he didn't helmet to helmet him and put him on the ground. Yeah, right. But he had the, the face, chin. Yeah. Not playing and, the ball, head right. turn, just and, pushing and the guy. you can see, the body gets repositioned. The ball's coming down like this, and that push makes the body go like that, and it takes you away your chance to catch the yeah. ball. So, I, but, but if that's not on the side of the line where you put a flag on the ground, I don't know what is. And Sean Payton last night didn't challenge a non-call, and he said, I'm only going to do it when it's egregious. And, and I'm told at the league office, it's a weekly battle. And there's a thought there by some, and this apparently is prevailing for now. If you have to slow it down, don't overturn it. Yeah. You won't, you have to see it in real time that it's interference. If you have to slow it down frame by frame, then you shouldn't be overturning it. And uh, I, 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 my concern is that the bar will be so high that when it needs to be used, they're going to be afraid to use it. I, 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 that's what I get scared of. I mean, again, by doing this and changing this rule, 
you know, okay, the bar set high, but the problem is the fans don't all realize that. And the fans are scrutinizing this. And it's all I get taught. I mean, it's, you know, I get a few questions every week when I'm, you know, out with my kids or wherever, you know, working out, whoever it, people talk about this. It is certainly a talking point around the NFL. Be all, oh, what is pass interference anymore? I don't know. So, you know, th this was my fear uh, all along. It it's open Pandora's box for criticism of the NFL. And it's one of the big storylines. You mean the box of Pandora? In in the, yeah, Pandora's in there, you know? <laughs> and, and, and you don't want to let Pandora out because, I mean, he is an MFR to deal with, okay? It's, it's a she. <laughs> oh, she. She's an MFR to deal with. She's not in the box. She uh, owns the box. Oh, damn. Okay. Well, right. either way, uh, that's what I, it bothers me. I, I just go back to my original, my original thought. I just wish they would have never even gone down this road. I understand they messed up last year and it was so horrible what happened with the Saints, but I just feel like this is kind of a no-win situation for the NFL and Al River on right and now. And here's here's the problem, and you hit the nail on the head. By not telling the world that it would only be used in the most extreme yeah. circumstances, clear, obvious, and egregious. Right. It did introduce a new cottage industry right. among football fans and media types of trying to spot situations where maybe replay review should be utilized to overturn a non-call of pass interference. Things that we otherwise wouldn't have cared about. Things that we otherwise wouldn't have noticed. I know. I don't know how big of a deal, you know, if the the Avante Maddox hit on Marquez Valdez-Scantling last year. Yeah. If that's not called, you may have some rumbling on yeah, Twitter. Like, I can't believe they didn't fans, call that. But it moved, well, the game moves on, and that's it. Exactly right. Now we're talking about it four freaking days later. Exactly right. I mean, that's all we talk. I was, you know, in South Bend with Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame doing that with Mike Tirico and Doug Flutie. We're all talking about it on Friday and Saturday. I mean, it, yes, it's, it's consuming us because we don't know. And, you know, even people that are following the sport as in-depth as you and I or Mike Tirico – we're all a little confused right now, along with Terry McCauley, who's a damn ex-ref. I think he's sitting there scratching his head at times, too. Yeah, it's a work in progress, and the good news is it's probably only going to be a one-year experiment. But they need to have something in place to prevent the obvious and egregious mistake. Big Cat suggested a red button on Friday, a literal <laughs> big red button that you press. But that's, you know, whether you call it Sky Judge, whatever it is. Right. You need something where there's a person in place to say, when you, if, if they're going to go, yeah. know it when you see it right. for Hail Mary, pass interference standard, or know it when you see it for uh, that, that same, you know, and, and Al Riveron explained it this way on the PFTPM podcast. You know it when you see it, when it's Hail Mary conditions, and then when it's Hail Mary conditions, you know it when you see it, when it's interference. How about a know it when you see it, big red button, that when there's something egregious that happens, it needs to be fixed. Al Riveron has the ability to fix it. You know it when you see it. I yeah I I like I like that, and I don't even maybe maybe it shouldn't even be Al that's like in charge of the red button too. You have like literally Roger Goodell in there or somebody else like that to just go like no like hey bzzz, and it goes right to the referees. You guys messed that one up. That was horrible. We got to call pass interference. Like I, I I almost wish they would have done that from the start than this right now because right. It, this is confusing and annoying. But I think we're onto something though. If if know it when you see it is good enough right. to determine. When it's a Hail Mary and when interference has happened on a Hail Mary, know it when you see it should be good enough for the ultimate egregious, whatever it is, yeah. some horribly unfair action. And this gets to that Rule 17 that came up. It was part of the lawsuit that was 
uh, filed it, that the commissioner has the power to intervene. Yeah. Th this is an extension of the commissioner's power to intervene right. to prevent an unfair outcome. And you do it in the moment. Yeah. And you delegate to Al Riveron or you do it yourself. Right. The, that, that is the red button power. We've solved it. We solved it. The red button power Maybe exists. That. And maybe that's the Got answer. somebody like Troy Vincent to sit there by the red button. Somebody, somebody like that who knows football a little bit. He's an ex-DB. He not, he's not going to be, like, all over it because he's going to have some sympathy for the DBs and pass interference. But, yeah, something like that. I Maybe we might be onto something, Mike. Maybe you need, like, three people with red buttons and all three have to hit it yep. for it to truly be egregious. Ooh, right? that would be a good one, too. Yeah. You're right. It's got to it's gotta be two or two out of three or three out of three. Maybe two out of three. Yeah, okay. Maybe two out of three. Right. Yeah. yeah, like like uh, if it's good enough for boxing, right? right? Two out of three judges scorecards. Yeah. Two out of three hit the red button and the red button's been hit. Mm -hmm. All right, hey, we, we've we've uh, solved all the world's problems. We still have more to talk about, though. The Jacksonville Jaguars, according to Jason Lock and Four of CBS, reportedly turned down two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Ooh. Now we don't know which team. It was a good team, so right. it's going to be low first-round picks, most likely. But if you see, here, here's my concern yeah. about how the Jaguars have handled mm -hmm. this: you don't let that horse get out of the barn. Because once the player knows that you've had discussions and there's two first-round picks that a team is willing to – it makes him even more intent on getting the hell out of there. Well, maybe the other team told them, though, and let the hay out of the barn there because they're trying to, like, put pressure on the situation. So maybe the team that offered the two first-rounders, like, told Jason Lock and Four, like, hey, well, we no, offered but, but, two but I, and they I wouldn't let us the, have them. The way this all unfolded yeah. with Ramsey's agents making it known he wanted out, yeah. it felt like for a day or two after that that – there was momentum toward a trade, and the Jaguars were talking. And remember, there was thought that a trade was going to happen by that Friday yeah. after the Titans-Jaguars Thursday night game. Right. I just think if the Jaguars were not inclined to trade him, and that's their prerogative, yeah. they should have slammed the door on it from the get-go. And and when the first report came out that they want two first-round picks, they should have said, no, we don't. We want Jalen Ramsey. And uh, they're, That they're, would have been the way to go. They're trying to finesse this. And they're trying to hope that it all dies down. I don't think it will. Gut shot, okay? In between all your pasta and meatballs in there, okay? And your gut. Who do you think it was? Chiefs or Eagles? You think it's one of those two? Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had heard the Chiefs were interested. I, I know that from from some people. But I think that I, I don't know if I believe they made the offer because I, I also heard some of the concern with the Chiefs was the fact that you got to make him the highest paid corner in football history. And then, of course, we know like Patrick Mahomes is about to get $200 million, too. So I think that was a, a tough one. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think I would put my eggs in those those two baskets as well. Nobody else jump out to you? I guess you're right. I guess it's those two, really. I mean, could the Seahawks? Maybe Seattle? Yeah. Seattle's yeah. the other team but, but I look The at. other thing we talked about during that window of time where it looked like a trade was going to happen. Right. The benefit of trading for Jalen Ramsey is you keep him away from one of your competitors who may be trying to trade for him. I mean, it's really unprecedented to think of the best cornerback in football being available. Yeah. Apparently he isn't, but there was a period of time where it looked like he was because, yeah, do I give up two first-round picks and pay this guy when I know that if I don't, another team in my division will? Hell, yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and you could even bid it up higher than that if you really are intent on trading the guy because – I could see a team throwing an extra pick or two on just to ensure that the other team doesn't get him. If you could get it down to a Rams, Seahawks, or a Cowboys-Eagles fight and just let them go back and forth, you win if you're the Jaguars, but apparently they don't want to trade him. All right, a couple more quick ones before we wrap. Do you believe in Chase Daniel, who will be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears until Mitchell Trubisky is good to go? Well, I I, I, I do to a degree. I, I don't think like Chase Daniel is the type of guy that's going to like go out there and throw for 350 and three touchdowns on a weekly, believe, but, uh, on a weekly basis, but I, I do. I mean – you know, I, I think that's the one thing we've heard constantly is that Chase Daniels knows the offense and he can run the full array of plays and formations that Matt Nagy wants to put in. And that's kind of the negatives 
of uh, Mitchell Trubisky is he's not capable maybe of digesting all of that on a weekly, quickly, you know, a few days of preparation basis. Um, but yeah, they don't need to reinvent the will there. I mean, of course their defense is the story of that team. They're a special defense and they can win games almost by themselves. Some Sundays, uh, their, their big thing is chase Daniels just needs some consistency out of the quarterback position. And he showed that yesterday. Good for him. And they can need just to improve that running game a little bit in Chicago. But yes, I do believe in chase Daniel that they can win football games with him. He knows that Andy Reid offense yep. that Matt Nagy has in Chicago and uh, look, the guy, you got to respect his business acumen. He Definitely. will have made through this year $34.3 million, Good and he's him. got four career starts. Wow. Number five may be coming on Sunday against the Raiders. Seven in, million in per start. But, but, but you know, I, yeah. I'm not concerned about him because no, of right. the fact that, that uh, yeah, he knows the offense and you try not to do too much and maybe you rediscover an identity in the running game, maybe, maybe. a little more David Montgomery and trust him to right. do more things. But rely on that defense. He's just not a difference maker. That's where I would go. Like and Trubisky, you know, listen, he can be, make some knucklehead throws and decisions, and he can miss some guys wide open. But Trubisky has showed us moments of being a difference maker. Last year he did. He has yet to show it this year. Uh, where Chase Daniels, you know, I do question. Like, oh, remember the game last year in New York, right, with the Giants? Like, oh, the game got close, and he really couldn't make a play or do anything to get them over the edge. You know, I think Trubisky's ceiling is higher, but I think consistency certainly lies on the side of Chase Daniel. Yeah, and and look, here's the thing. I think it's better to have a guy who stays, like, within the boundaries of the offense if you're concerned that maybe he's going to try to do too much. Almost like the difference between Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. Yeah, right. And, and now with Cam Newton, it's an injury issue. With sure. Mitchell Trubisky, it's a where's his ceiling issue. And yeah. as he tries to struggle to get to his ceiling, maybe, maybe the team is in better hands with a guy – who isn't trying to do that. He knows who he is. Yep. He doesn't try to do too much. He right. knows his role, and he just runs the offense, and off they go. Fair All right, point. last one. Yep. What's wrong with the Cardinals? Well, okay, they're not that talented. That's the first thing to talk about. Their defense, certainly, like, nothing special on that side of the football, okay? So, you know, when you think of the Cardinals, who are you thinking about on defense as being a difference maker, right? Right now, the only guy is Chandler Jones, who's really like a top-level player. They got some nice young talent and some guys who you think, okay, they're gonna, they could be good a few years down the road. Offensively, I'll say the kind of the same thing, Mike. I mean, hey, you know, who is there really to be scared of on that offense? You know, Fitzgerald's a solid. He's good, but he's not a superstar anymore. We know that. I mean, Christian Kirk, good, but not a superstar. Added to the fact that it's just – offensively, and I've watched every game on film to this point, you know, it's just nothing special, Mike. There's just, it's not like football has gone, oh my gosh, shotgun You throws. mean the offense we've never seen before? Right. That it's going to work because we've never seen it before? I, I'm still waiting to see what I haven't seen before. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, they're, they're a little limited that way. They don't run the ball that well. Um, Kyler Murray's still young and trying to figure out his way a little bit and make some plays, don't get me wrong. Without a no talent, a, a no no huge talent around him, and then an offensive play caller who, yeah, I don't think his depth of inventory is that great to begin with, and he's still finding his way along, uh, you know, play calling in the NFL too. We both had Seattle in our best bets last week. How did you do on yours? I don't think I think I went one and two. I was two and one. Damn, I trusted. The so Cowboys now we're going like to be tied. We're going to be tied. Yeah, you're going to you're ultimately going to lose to me. Just accept it. Here's the thing that Kyler Murray has to accept. Yeah. And, and this was a point Peter King made before the draft, and some people gave him a hard time for it. I thought it's a very, a very appropriate point. Yeah. Kyler Murray has had tremendous success 
every level of football. Right. Unquestioned. Right. Never faced adversity. Here he is, 0-3-1. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Right. And, and how does the team deal with it? And where does the team go from here? Yeah. And I had somebody point out to me a couple of weeks ago, kind of in jest, that two or three years from now, the GM will be fired, the coach will be fired, and Kyler Murray will be playing baseball. Who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, I, I don't think that'll happen. I will say this. Watching the game yesterday, I thought I saw the first time of a little bit of frustration from Kyler Murray on some first and second down plays where, you know, he was kind of like, you know, the play was over and he was like, <sighs> like, you know, making facial expressions and like, what the hell's going on here? Can I get some pass protection or is anybody ever going to get open? I mean, I, I did see a little, just a little, you know, crack in the, the armor there. I thought Lincoln uh, Riley said that the big 12 defenses don't stink. Oh, come on. We know that. <laughs> all right. I mean, like, listen, yeah. I mean, the big 12 defenses stink and the, you know, Lincoln Riley, I got respect for what he's doing, but we know they stink. Okay. Just look at the NFL draft. Look at what's going on there right now. Jalen hurts goes to Oklahoma. Yeah. He couldn't complete passes in the sec. And now he's going to Oklahoma. We're going, is he going to be the Heisman winner? I mean, that just shows you, yeah, he's on the most talented team in Oklahoma, one of the more talented teams in all of college football, who's clearly the best team in the Big 12. That's not even close. And, yes, the, the rest of the conference is just not that talented or that good on the defensive side of the ball. All right, I don't know how much longer we'll be talking about the Cardinals this season if they continue to fall That's apart. It. I was excited about Kyler Murray. Yeah, but, uh, it's tough. Especially in that division. Yeah. Where the 49ers are 3-0, and and the Rams and Seahawks are each 3-1, and and they play on Thursday night. All right, that's it. We will see you tomorrow for another edition of PFT Live and PFTOT and everything else we have going on. You got an unbutton today? Unbutton, yep. You know it. Two games are breaking down. Early results are Chiefs-Lions I'll be breaking down. And what was my other one? I can't remember. Oh, my gosh. I'm choking on the spot. So I believe of, it was Dallas New Orleans. One of these years, I'm going to mobilize my fan base to stuff the ballot box for just a complete and total crap game. Oh, after that, break down. Thank you. It's like coming. Like, like Arizona-Seattle like or something Jets like Dolphins. that. It'll be Jets-Dolphins <laughs> the yeah. first time they get together. That'll be great. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good day. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.